So we'll be in John chapter 17. And we want to begin by looking at what Jesus prayed for in verse number 14. Jesus says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, from this context, Jesus is talking specifically here about His apostles and how He uh, gave them His Word. Excuse me. In verse number 25, He says, I pray not that thou shouldest... uh, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Every time I read these verses, I think about what Jesus prayed for. Jesus wanted His disciples, His apostles, to be in the world. When I stop and think about that and reflect upon what Jesus was praying for and praying about, it really reminds me that this world that lies in darkness needs the influence of Christianity. Christianity can make a difference in this world. We can influence this world for good as we let our light shine. There are passages like Matthew 5, verse number 16, 1 Peter chapter 2, that really encourages us to maintain good works as New Testament Christians. Because as we maintain good works as New Testament Christians, we let our light shine. And as long as we are letting our light shine, we can make a difference. We can have an impact. And so it should be our goal as New Testament Christians to be effective as we can. To use the talents that we have. To be the kind of influence that God wants us to be. And so tonight as we think about this idea of effectiveness, let's strive to be effective. Let's strive to to, to be the kind of person that, that can make a difference, that will draw others to Jesus Christ. Now with this in mind, there are a few points that I want to present from the book of 1 Timothy. And There are so many different points that we can make uh, in this lesson, but we're just going to to pick a few from the book of of 1 Timothy that can help each one of us become more effective as a New Testament Christian. If we're going to be effective like God wants us to be, we're going to have to remember the warfare that we're in. If you would read with me 1 Timothy chapter 1 and listen to what Paul says in verse number 18. Paul says, This charge I commit unto thee, unto, unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by, by them mightest war a good warfare. As the Apostle Paul writes Timothy, Remember, Timothy was at Ephesus. And Timothy was working with this congregation. Both Timothy and the congregation at Ephesus were trying to make an impact on this city, on this region. 
And Paul's encouraging Timothy uh, to make a difference. But if Timothy was going to make a difference, if the brethren were going to make a difference, if they were going to be effective as New Testament Christians, they needed to remember the spiritual warfare that they were in. When the Apostle Paul, here in verse number 18, speaks of war, a good warfare, he's not talking about warfare in a physical sense. Paul is talking about the spiritual warfare that we are in as New Testament Christians. As we are fighting against the forces of evil. As we are fighting against darkness. Remember, remember, we're going against the dark kingdom's dark king. Satan is the god of this world, according to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. And the devil is trying to blind our minds from the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. He's walking about as that roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. What the devil wants more than anything is for you to throw in the spiritual towel and to give up and to stop trying. He understands the influence and the power of Christianity and the difference that Christianity can make on a dark world. In fact, if you would, turn over, if you would, to the book of 2 Timothy. Notice this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2 because to me it really captures what we're trying to do in this spiritual warfare. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 24. Listen to what Paul says. And the servant of the Lord, if you're a New Testament Christian, by the way, from the book of 2 Timothy, you're a soldier of Christ and you are a servant of Christ, verse 24. Listen to what Paul says about the servant of the Lord. The servant of the Lord must not strive. But the servant of the Lord, Paul says, must be gentle unto all men apt to teach, literally to be skillful in handling the Word of God. Remember, the Word of God is the sword of our spirit. Paul says that that each servant of Christ needs to know how to use their spiritual sword in this spiritual warfare. Each Christian has that responsibility to be apt to teach, skillful in the Word of God. Paul talks earlier in verse number 15 that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We need to know the Word of God and we need to handle it accurately. That's the idea apt to teach. And as we teach and as we exhort, as we instruct others, we do it with patience. Verse number 24. We can't force others to obey the gospel, to become a part of the family of God, but we can encourage, we can persuade, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11, and as we persuade, we exhort, we teach with all patience. Now notice verse number 25. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Remember, the truth will set one free. The truth will set one free from what? Verse number 26. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Do you realize what we're trying to do as we make a difference in this world. We're trying to rescue the perishing. 
We're trying to deliver people from the devil, from his domain. According to Colossians 1 verse number 13, when a person obeys the gospel, they are delivered from the power of darkness and they're translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. When does that happen? When a person obeys the gospel? But if a person is going to obey the gospel, that individual is going to have to be taught. You see, that's where we come in. As I said, if we're going to be effective, if we're going to make a difference, we have to remember the spiritual warfare that we're in. And we have to remember that we are trying to rescue people. We're trying to save people like Jesus did. In Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. Go back though to the text of 1 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to go back to to verse number 18 because as we continue to look at this context, I believe the Apostle Paul really centers on how we can war a good warfare. How we can fight the good fight of faith. Listen to what he says in verse number 19. Notice this. Holding faith. If we're going to war a good warfare, verse number 18, we are going to have to hold faith. Holding faith. What is Paul talking about? Holding faith? Well, really, there are two ideas. First of all, Paul could be speaking about one's personal faith. The idea of one being faithful to God, trusting God. But the other idea here in verse number 19, holding faith, can be talking about the truth of God's Word. Uh, The system of faith, if you please. In Acts 6 verse 7, it says, Many of the priests were obedient to the faith. The faith, again, the gospel system. In Romans 1 verses 16 and 17. We see that the gospel is God's power unto salvation. Verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Notice that, from faith to faith. Some will look at this and and explain it this way. The gospel is a system of faith that produces faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10 verse number 17. But in this spiritual warfare, if we're going to fight the good fight, again, Paul says we're going to have to hold on to something. Holding faith. And however you look at it, whether you look at it as one's personal faith or the gospel system of faith, both are true if we're going to fight the good fight of faith. If we're going to be effective, we're going to have to be faithful individually. And the only way that we can be faithful individually is by holding on to the Word of life. Being faithful to the Word of God, not adding, not taking away from it, but being obedient to it. That is the only way that a child of God can be faithful and and have an impact on on this world. But Paul mentioned something else in this context. If we're going to war a good warfare, he says again in verse 19, holding faith, and notice this second thing, and a good conscience. 
You know, a study of the conscience is, is to me one of the most interesting studies. The Bible has a lot to say about this tool that God has given to us. Now, I refer to the conscience as a, a tool that will help us discern between good and evil, right and wrong. But you know, if this tool, this conscience is going to work for us properly, it has to be trained. It has to be educated by the Word of God. We see this in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21 and 22. We also see this in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Now, the context in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, really shows the need for having an active and educated conscience. Remember, the Hebrews, Hebrew Christians were dull of hearing. And the writer is encouraging them to open their ears, to, to listen to the Word of God, to be feasting upon the meat of God's Word and not simply the milk. The writer says if one is on only on the milk and never progresses to meat, that New Testament Christian is a babe in Christ and that person is unskillful in the word of righteousness and that individual is not going to learn how to discern between good and evil because the writer says strong meat belonging to them that are of full age. Speaking about those who are mature and those who are mature have their senses. We have senses. We understand that. We also have spiritual senses that we have our senses exercised to discern between good and evil. We need to fill our minds with the Word of God. Listen to these verses. In 1 Timothy 4 verse 2, do you realize that, that your conscience can be seared with a hot iron? Listen to Jeremiah 17, verse 10. Your conscience can deceive you. Our conscience isn't our infallible guide. Your conscience can deceive you. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I feel in my heart that I'm doing what is right? Oh, I know that I'm doing what is right. Our conscience can be deceived. Do you realize, according to Ephesians 4, 17-19, that your conscience can be so seared that it could even stop working? Read the context of Ephesians 4, 17-19. Paul is talking about how the Gentiles live. They have their minds darkened. They're alienated from God. And then he says this, they are past feeling. Past feeling. That they do things, as Jeremiah would say, that are an abomination to the Lord, and they don't even blush. It doesn't bother their conscience. Your conscience can become so seared that it stops working, and you can do things that are so contrary to God's Word that you really don't care, and it doesn't even bother you. We don't ever want to become that individual. We want to feast. We want to welcome the Word of God as we ward this good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. But notice this second major point. If we're going to be effective, again, we have to war a good warfare. There's a spiritual battle going on. And this spiritual battle is real. The devil is real. The enemy is real. But number two... If we're going to be effective, we have to learn to be P 
people of prayer. We're going to have to learn to pray and to pray fervently. The affectional, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5, verse number 16. Do you realize the Apostle Paul and what's interesting? Right after chapter 1, he goes into chapter 2 and he talks about prayer. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, Paul says, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. You realize as you think about supplication, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, he's talking about prayer. In other words, there are different kinds of prayers for different kinds of people. And that's the context. Different kinds of prayer. Prayers of supplication. But prayer should be an important part of our life. It's part of being faithful because we need God's help. And we need to communicate with God. And that's how we communicate to God. We do so through this avenue of prayer, which is, which is a spiritual blessing that is in Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has an important part in our prayer life. He's our mediator. In other words, we can approach the throne of God. We can come before the divine throne room because of who Jesus is and because of what Christ has done. Remember, He is our high priest. And so He allows us, He gives us access to the very throne of God. And He mediates on our behalf. He's our daysman. Remember, Job long ago longed for a daysman, a go-between. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. You think about prayer And you think about the example of Jesus in prayer. Rising up a great while before the day, He departed into a solitary place, and there He prayed. Mark 1, verse number 35. That's how Jesus began every day. Praying to the Father. I love Psalm 5, verse 3, where the psalmist says, My voice shall thou hear in the morning. Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto Thee. When was the last time the Lord has heard your voice? When was the last time you you got up in the morning and started off your day praying to God? You know, if you get anything out of this lesson, if you apply anything, apply this truth. Tomorrow morning, let me encourage you, when you get up, Start the day off in prayer like Jesus. It will make a difference. It will help keep God in your thoughts. Begin every day in prayer. Follow the example of Jesus because every time He had to make an important decision, He prayed to His Father. Luke 6 verse 12 says that He stayed up all night before He chose the apostles in prayer to His heavenly Father. In Matthew chapter 26, when He faced a a, a difficult situation, before He faced the excruciating pain, you remember the prayer in the garden? He prayed to the Father three times. You see, prayer 
help Christ through this life. Instead of worrying about everything, Philippians 4 verse 6, we should start praying about everything because that's what Jesus did. Now quickly from 1 Timothy chapter 2, supplications. Supplications have to do with personal needs. As you go through life, you'll have personal needs. You take those needs to the Father, 1 Peter 5 verse 7. You cast your care upon Him, whatever it is. However small it is, you cast your care upon Him because He cares for you. And then Paul mentions prayers. I believe prayers here in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, is speaking of general requests. good example of that would be found in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus taught His disciples how to pray. And He even taught them how to pray for their daily food. Again, I hope you take time to, to pray to Father and to thank Him before every meal that you eat. Give Him thanks. We do that in prayer, by the way, according to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 17. We understand from James 1, verse 17 that, that every good gift comes from above. Blessings descend down upon the people of God and gratitude and thanksgiving should come up before God when we pray. But you will also notice from 1 Timothy chapter 2 that we are to pray for the leaders of this land. For those who are in positions of, of authority. And I realize that there are times where that can be challenging. And I can tell you for sure that I've done my share of complaining and murmuring about our leaders. But, you know, when I turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, God's Word challenges me in this area. Does it challenge you to pray for the leaders of the land? Remember, God is in control. He has rule over this universe. And there's power in prayer. You want to make a difference in this world? That's what we're talking about. Learn to pray to God. Pour your heart out to God. Notice number 3 from chapter 3. How to be effective. How to make a difference in this world as a New Testament Christian. Remember, Paul's leaving Timothy at Ephesus. And listen to what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15. Timothy, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. As Brother Holton mentioned in his prayer, how we live our life upon this earth determines where we will spend eternity. And not only will it determine where we spend eternity, it will depend whether or not we'll be effective as a New Testament Christian whether or not we're going to have an impact. Listen, our behavior, it should draw people to Jesus Christ. By our behavior, people see that we're different. People see the goodness, the kindness that we have by the way we treat people and by the way we treat our enemies. Oh, I don't know about you, but challenging command is to pray for your enemies to turn the other cheek. It doesn't matter how you look at that, that verse. That is a challenging verse. That is hard to do when we allow the flesh to rule our lives. We're not to allow the flesh to rule our lives. We're to allow the Spirit. We're to, to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. And if we bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, we're going to, to treat people with kindness. 
We're going to think about how we behave ourselves in the house of God. David said in Psalm 101, verse number 2, I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. It amazes me how long and how much work it takes to build a good name. And that's something that we are to strive for according to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. It takes a long time to build a good name, to build a good reputation. But all I have to do is to go out and do something stupid and I can destroy my reputation. I can hinder my influence. People see that I've been talking about Christianity and promoting Christianity and then I go out and do something foolish and you know what people will conclude? Well, there's another hypocrite and that's why I don't have anything to do with Christianity. Now listen, there are hypocrites in the church. You'll never change that because the church is made up of people. But we don't want to be that hypocrite. We don't want to put on a show. I realize that we're going to make mistakes. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about destroying our influence, the impact. That's why how we behave ourselves is so important. Paul in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. May God help us to sow to the Spirit, to make a difference in this world by the way we act, by the way we conduct ourselves. As we said this morning from Philippians 1, verse number 27, Only let your conduct be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Allow the gospel to guide you in this life. And then finally from chapter 4, verse number 16, if we're going to be effective, we must practice examination, spiritual examination. Listen to what Paul says in verse number 16. Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear you. Timothy, you have to take heed to yourself. You have to be that good example. Chapter 4, verse number 12. You have to be growing as a New Testament Christian. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 15. That's how we take heed unto ourselves. We take spiritual inventory. And I know when we take spiritual inventory, we will find out real quick, myself included, you know what, I need to grow in some areas. I need to work on this, and I need to work on that. If you have a good and honest heart, you're going to step up to the challenges that you face in this life. You're going to see those areas that you need to to grow in and you're going to work hard in those areas. You're going to develop in those areas. Paul also tells Timothy, take heed to the doctrine. We need to be sure that what we believe, what we promote, is found in the Word of God. That's how we can become effective as a New Testament Christian. By always examining ourselves, 
by always trying to improve self, not to try to look better than others, but to be more effective. That's the idea. To improve, to be more effective, and to improve in our knowledge of the Scriptures. To be able to communicate the message of God more effectively. That doesn't come through speech class. That comes through studying the Word of God. Knowing the Word of God. Being able to open the Word of God and point people to the Word of God. This is why I believe what I believe. Because it's found in the Scripture. And when you can do that, you will be an effective Christian. You will make a difference. May God help us to make an impact on this dark world. As we said from John chapter 17, Jesus prayed that the Father would not take His apostles out of this world because this world needs Christians. That means the world needs you. The world needs me. Let's do what we can to make a difference in this world.